So the reading is from John, chapter 8, verse 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Well, can I add my welcome to Mark's if you've joined us since the start of the service? And we're going to be focusing primarily on verse 12. On the 6th of August 2010, the news story broke that 33 Chilean miners had been trapped half a mile below the ground in a mine shaft with no means of escape. You may have followed the story as a rescue team desperately sought to reach them, not knowing if they were dead or alive. After 17 days, a breakthrough came as contact with the miners was made. Yet it took a further 52 days for a shaft to be drilled through which they were winched to safety and back to the light. Imagine how you'd have felt if you'd been one of those miners trapped in the dark. How scared you'd have been. How disorientated and lost. How helpless. It is well known how much psychological toll the dark takes on mental health. And they were underground for 69 days. Equally, imagine that moment of euphoria coming out of the ground to the light. The relief. You've been rescued, you're safe, you're free, alive. For these miners, being led from the darkness to the light was about regaining life itself. And for us, whilst we may not physically have been trapped underground, experiencing darkness is a reality of the world we live in, isn't it? I mean, all of us know something of loneliness and disappointment anxiety and fear, family breakdown or the loss of a loved one. I mean, just walking to Westminster, we can't miss the men and women whose only home is a cardboard box. And as politicians and policymakers, we sadly know all too well the many evils that happen under cover of darkness. The darkness in our world is something that not even the most competent and credible government is able to fix and even the most strong and stable amongst us is not immune from. And the Bible tells us that this darkness is caused by humanity's rebellion against God, a rebellion it terms sin 
which means the whole world is living under God's judgment. While we might assume we know best and can manage life just fine without God, the truth is that we're actually stumbling around in the dark, lost, not really knowing which way to go or what is right or wrong. Just like the Chilean miners, we desperately need someone to break into the darkness and literally turn the lights on for us. And incredibly, this is exactly what Jesus claims to do as he makes the extraordinary statement in John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus' claim to be the light of the world is the second of the eye-grabbing I am headlines in John's Gospel. Another massive statement that we're going to unpack together as we seek to understand what Jesus says both about who he is and why that's relevant today. So what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world? The metaphor of light is powerfully evocative, isn't it? It conjures up so many positive images in our minds. We might think of the lighthouse sort of beaming out that steady beam of light that stops a ship from crashing on the rocks. Or we might think of the street lights that guide us home from work safely after a long day. Or perhaps the relief when summer hits and it no longer gets dark at 4pm. I mean, it's easy to tell when the sun is shining in London, isn't it? Everyone suddenly smiles and has a spring in their step. I mean, they might even talk to someone on the tube. And as you might imagine, light is a common metaphor in the Bible too. Right at the start of the Bible, God creates light, and it was good. Light was God's first creative act and was essential for life. The Bible also links light with truth and moral perfection. In the book of Psalms, God's word is described as a lamp for my feet and a light for my path, guiding the way. And in 1 John 1, God himself is described as light, and that in him was no darkness at all. By claiming to be the light of the world, Jesus is setting himself up as the answer to the darkness, the one who offers the life, truth, and goodness that we desperately want and need. And yet, this isn't all that Jesus is saying here. To understand the full extent of what Jesus is claiming, we need to understand the context and the place that Jesus is speaking from. At the end of the previous chapter, we see that it is the last day of the Festival of Tabernacles. This feast celebrated God's rescue of his people in Egypt by a pillar of fire, but it also looked ahead to the promise of a Messiah, God's promised king, who would rescue the world from darkness. Any Jew who was anybody would have been at this festival in Jerusalem, The city would have been awash with pilgrims. And on the first day of the festival, throngs of people would have filled the temple courts, singing and dancing under four great torches with giant candelabra, as they remembered how God had guided his people from slavery to the promised land. As the candelabra were lit, light would have flooded out from the temple, reminding the whole city of God's glory and presence. And it was here, in the temple courts, 
no doubt with the burnt-out torches still in place, that Jesus chose to raise his voice and proclaim, I am the light of the world. I mean, what an announcement considering the context. I mean, full marks to Jesus for theatrical impact. Jesus' claim would have been understood loud and clear. In saying, I am the light of the world, he was literally saying, I am the one that led your ancestors out of slavery and delivered them into the promised land. And I am the one who's come to rescue you too, to set you free from the slavery of sin and to offer you eternal life if you'll follow me. As a quick aside, you may have heard some people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But we see here that this is utter rubbish. This was absolutely a claim of deity, and the Pharisees knew this. Hence, why they challenge his credentials in verse 13, and why they want to stone him for blasphemy at the end of the chapter. Here, Jesus was claiming none other than to be both God and the promised Messiah, fulfilling what the festival was all about. So why does this matter for us today? I mean, it's quite tempting, sitting here in London, more than 2,000 years later, to think, hmm, interesting. I mean, but to presume that Jesus being light of the world has, has kind of no real relevance um, to me. I mean, wasn't this just a message to some small group a long time ago in a faraway land? But that's a long way from the truth. This was no small claim that Jesus was making. This was an absolute claim with universal, res- with universal relevance for the whole world. Jesus is not saying, I am a light for the world. He is saying, I am the light of the world. He's saying, I am the only answer to the darkness, which we saw earlier pervades the whole of humanity in our world. He's saying, whoever you are, wherever and whenever you were born, Whatever your background or past history, you need to follow me to find life. And not just life today, but forever. Jesus makes a very personal invitation to each one of us. Follow me and you will never walk in darkness again, but have the light of life. And with any invitation, there's a choice to be made. And the question is, will we accept this invitation or not? There's no option to sit on the fence. It's a straight yes or no answer. Either we accept his wonderful offer or we turn it down, choosing to remain in the dark under his judgment. What will you choose? Put like this, it seems an obvious choice, doesn't it? I mean, why wouldn't we want the light? But as we see time and time again in John's Gospel, many, including the religious leaders, decide to reject Jesus because it was too exposing. They don't give that as the reason, of course. Instead, they question Jesus' credentials, verse 13, or whether he's really from the Father, verse 19. But just like some insects scurry away when exposed to light, these religious leaders don't want their darkness to be disturbed. And I wonder, could that be true for us? or perhaps some of our friends. They may say they're not convinced by the evidence, 
or can't see how God fits with science. But if they're brutally honest, they actually prefer the dark. As Mark read from John chapter 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. While most of us find it easy to admit that the world out there is in darkness, we find it much harder to admit that we're also in the dark. We have no real idea where we're headed or even what will happen to us when we die. All of us are scrabbling to find purpose, meaning and satisfaction in life. Yet so often we look in the wrong places, perhaps to work or money or our relationships or even our desire to change the world. But deep down, we don't really know how to make our lives count. Our greatest problem isn't outside us, but deep within. It's a heart issue. And Jesus makes it clear that the reason we're in the dark is we've turned away from the light that God offers us, choosing to live by our own rules instead. But amazingly, Jesus doesn't just identify the problem. He gives himself as the solution too. By dying on the cross, Jesus faced the full darkness of God's judgment in our place. Jesus was forsaken and cut off by God so that we don't have to be. At Calgary, Jesus enabled us to experience life-giving light and a relationship with God forever. And all he asks of us is to follow him. So the question is, will we come to the one who provides this amazing offer of light and life? If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus' invitation, will you consider following him today? And if you're already following him, will you keep walking his way? Keep trusting that he is the only knight that you need, even when it might be countercultural, unpopular, or even costly. As we finish, let's return to our Chilean miners for a moment. Whilst the miraculous story of their physical rescue is well known, what is perhaps less well known is that during the horrific ordeal, 22 of them chose to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their source of light. One of the group, Jose Henriquez, was a Christian, and he led the miners in Bible study and prayer as they met with the true light of the world in the darkness. Their physical rescue from darkness to light is amazing, but it's just a picture of an even greater rescue when Jesus, the light of the world, brought them from eternal darkness to everlasting light. And it's a picture of a rescue that's available for all of us if we choose to follow Jesus, the light of the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus, the light of the world, who by dying on the cross took the darkness and judgment that we deserve so that we could have the light of life if we follow him. Lord, for any of us here who aren't following you, please show us today that Jesus is the light we need. And for all of us who are following you, 
amazes afresh at just how incredible it is that if we follow Jesus, we will never walk in the darkness again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.